Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at I maybe get loud, a little loud today. I, I may be a little vociferous, but I'm sorry, that's just the way I am. When I spe- specifically when I talk about the Word of God. I was in my office this morning, and the Lord just came upon me. I wrote some things down, and I want you to listen. I'm, I just wrote it out, so I'm going to say it, kind of speak it, prophesy it, however you want to take it. We are a part of the kingdom of God. Today, you who are citizens of the kingdom of God came to this, our ecclesia, to receive inspiration, rejuvenation, instruction, healing, deliverance, renewal, and the list goes on. We have been instructed to preach, teach, and make plain the gospel of the kingdom, which is the good news of the rule of God. We are under the lordship of Jesus Christ. We are members of the greatest community ever devised or assembled. We are members. Oh, but we're more than that. We're citizens. But even more than that, we're sons and daughters. Yet it's not finished. We're heirs. But mostly, the Bible says, we are joint heirs, which means that everything Jesus gets, we get. So we assemble today as the greatest, largest, and most lethal gathering in the universe. We are both in heaven and on earth, both seen and unseen, both physical and spiritual. Our weapons of warfare are not carnal or natural. They are the spirit, the word, the blood, the shield of faith, helmet of salvation, shoes of peace, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, sword of the spirit, cloak of zeal, and the list goes on. Take up your armor. Lift up your head. Rejoice in your God, for you are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. We are one blessed and happy people. So stop murmuring and complaining. Start preaching, prophesying, praising, and testifying. Begin to push back the clouds of darkness and evil threatenings. Begin to rehearse the greatness of our God. And stop rehearsing the shadowy works of the enemy. Begin to glorify God. Begin to honor and acclaim our King. For we are chosen, we are appointed and anointed. We are the king's kids. We are victorious. We are overcomers. We're more than conquerors. We belong to the lion of the tribe of Judah. Therefore, therefore, let us declare the victory of the kingdom of God. Let us sing it. Let us say it. Proclaim it. Shout it and prophesy it. For our God reigns. Now, Lord, I just feel I'm supposed to pray right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you based upon the blood of Jesus. 
We are in a war season. The demonic hordes have lifted up their heads. But Lord, you promised when they come in one way, they will be scattered seven ways. For who can stand against the arm of the Lord? We pray right now that even as you destroyed those who worked works of darkness, we pray right now in America that you would raise up a bold ecclesia. You would redeem us. You would reform us. You would revive us. You would renew us. Oh Lord, let the covenant roots of God begin to arise in America once again, for America belongs to you. Lord, we pray that you would remove leaders who have desecrated your plan for this nation. We pray that the Baal worship would cease, and Lord, you would come and do what Psalm 75, 7 says, but God is the judge. He puts down one, and he exalts another. God, you will take power from those who have, who have defamed your name. We thank you, Lord, that you are doing great things in America right now. Your governmental reign will continue, O oh God. So Lord, we take our authority and we bind every evil assignment against America. And Lord, we stand and we say that you have been audited, you enemy. You have been audited before the Lord. And your dark and deep discrepancies have been seen. Therefore, we bind you and we cast you out. For the Lord has said, I have numbered your days of rule. Your, your, I've totaled up your worth and it is nothing. You have stolen from God's house. You have desecrated this nation. You have arrogantly decided that they will compete with, with our God. But we say that you will and must leave in Jesus' name. Lord, we forbid the work of the enemy. We forbid the worship of Baal. We pray, decree, and we say stop in Jesus' name for your enemy, your reign is finished, enemy of God. And we thank you, Lord, that right now you're raising up an ecclesia that's going to decree the awesomeness of our God. We, we actually decree and declare that angel armies are being assembled now, and we agree with heaven that they are coming down, they are assembling, and they're casting out the enemy. We thank you, Lord, that you're going to raise up a righteous remnant. This nation will be changed back to a godly nation. We declare it and decree it in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. And we're decreeing right now that you're raising up this functioning remnant ecclesia. We agree with your word, O God. So activate angel armies. We say what you say, O God, that the high God rules over all all human kingdoms. In Jesus' name we decree it. Amen. I, I tell you, something's in me, so you get ready. So, what is the church that God has dreamed of? We are the ecclesia today. I like the word ecclesia better than church. Church has just become kind of a common frame. Ecclesia, it has something to it. What is the church or the ecclesia that God's dreamed of? Scripture gives us clues to that. Matthew 16 tells us that he's building his church. It should be a church built upon his architectural plans and his blueprints. He has a dream. And he has a vision to what his church should be. I'm really curious about what that culture should be. So I think we need to investigate a little bit. Let me just share a couple things, then I'm jump right into the word here. What kind of a culture does God want? I think, number one, he wants a celebration culture. 
We, we didn't come to a, a funeral today. We came to celebrate the resurrection. I, it may not be Easter, but we're still celebrating. The Church of Jesus Christ should not be a mourning church, but a celebrating church. We also should be, not just celebration, we should be a church that's a demonstrating church, a demonstration of the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts shows us that the early church continually saw and allowed the power of the Spirit to be demonstrated and released through them. So we declare a demonstration in the house of God of the Holy Spirit. But thirdly, I believe we are to be a church of proclamation. A church of proclamation. And I'm going to speak on this this morning. We are to understand the power of God's word and proclaim it throughout all the earth. Now, we've had an emphasis on the Spirit. We've had it during camp season. We have it during this time of the year. And we need the Holy Spirit more than anything. I, of anybody, would say we need the Holy Spirit, but we also need to understand the power of the Word. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about that. So this week, we're going to emphasize the Word and its power when proclaimed. Now, let me just say that, this, that God's Word, when proclaimed, is, it, 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 it has to be completed. It will be completed. His promises are yes and amen. He is not a liar. What he says will be done. Let me prove this. Hebrews 6.18. It is impossible for God to lie. He, Numbers 23.19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Joshua 21:45 Not one of the good promises which the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed everything came to pass F.B. Meyer said this, If any promise of God should fail, the heavens would clothe themselves in sackcloth. The sun and the moon and the stars would reel from their courses and the universe would rock and a hollow wind would moan through a ruined creation. The awful message that God has lied. King Solomon said, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel. According to all that he promised, there has not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised through his servant Moses. D.L. Moody said, God never made a promise that was too good to be true. Let me tell you what a promise is. It is the assurance from someone that a particular thing will happen. They will do, give, or arrange to make something happen. That person can do precisely what he says. When they speak, you know something will take place. Your faith is in the person that speaks. Our faith is in our God. 1 Corinthians 1, 17 says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So power, power. The word of God brings power. And the source of all power is the word of God. He created everything by his own word. From the, now, I want, you to, I want you to think about this. From the womb of the word. From the womb of the word. You're going to understand this in a few minutes as I describe this. From the womb of the word came forth everything that is. Wow. Everything is birthed. Right. Without the word, nothing was created. Well, D read that. Did you, did you hear that? There is a biblical connection between the word and power. He, uh, Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Hebrews 1.3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and powerful. 
Luke 4.32, and they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with power. So there's a connection between the power of God's word in the creation and even in the sustaining of the universe. Listen to this. Hebrews 11.3, it says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. It came out of the womb of God, and it was spoken. Psalms 33.9, for he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Can you imagine that? Good. Now, during the book of Joshua, you will see a story of how they spoke and the sun stood still. Do you have that kind of faith? Wow. They spoke and the rivers parted. The seas parted. Isaiah 55, 11, So shall be my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. In other words, God's word is sent, and it will accomplish what it's sent for. The word of God is the greatest force in existence. It is the power of God himself, bigger than any nuclear power. It is huge. The scriptures as we know them, now you have to understand this, I'm giving you, I'm going to give you science today, I'm going to give you theology today, I'm going to give you prophecy today. So stay with me. I'm going to teach you what I've taught my grandkids, okay? So stay with me. So the miracles as we know them are a result of three distinct miracles. The scriptures. The scriptures are a result of three distinct miracles. First of all is the miracle of inspiration. Inspiration is that influence of God's spirit upon the minds of the scripture writers, which made their writings a record of divine revelation. In other words, it was inspired. It was God breathed. And so we see this is very, very important. Just as the breath of God brought all energy, matter, and life into being, so his breath breathed into men, which formulated a written document called scripture. It was the miracle of inspiration. Then we have, secondly, the miracle of preservation. This is powerful. Preservation is that influence of the Spirit of God upon the minds of Scripture translators and upon the texts themselves, which guarantee that the original message would arrive safe and sound in each generation. Wow. The devil would have liked to have distorted or stolen the Scriptures. But God miraculously saved them until today. He guarded the Scriptures. The third thing is the miracle of illumination. Illumination is the influence of the Spirit of God upon the minds of Scripture teachers and students, which causes their learning to transcend the realms of natural understanding. Have you ever read the Word of God and all of a sudden a thought comes and you realize that is a God birth thought? That is illumination. The same Holy Spirit who breathed it and presided over its preservation is now here today to illuminate it to you. Whoa! Three great miracles. Inspiration, which is supernatural origination. Preservation, which is supernatural continuation. And illumination, which is supernatural explanation. We serve a supernatural God. The church is being held up by the supernatural activity of God. So what is the Word of God? Stay with me here. What is the Word of God? The Word of God is a person. Before it was anything else, the Word was an invisible, eternal person co-existent and co-equal in the Trinity. He eternally existed from the very beginning. In other words, he was here before he was here. Jesus Christ is the Word of God and has always been the Word of God. Before there was a sounded Word, there was the person of the Word. Before there was a written Word, he was the Word. Before Abraham, before Moses, before anything was, he was. 
And before he was a baby in Bethlehem, he was the eternal pre-incarnate son of God. He actually showed up in scripture in several places that I'm not gonna go into today. I'll get all sidetracked on that. But he is the word. The word of God who is eternal, invisible, the creator of heaven and earth, now becomes a human being. He becomes a baby human being. This is the incarnation, the Emmanuel that we talk about. He is named what he has always been in eternity, the word. He is called what he was, the message from God. He is what God has said and what God has to say. Gabriel became the messenger from heaven and delivered the word of God to Mary. As that word was spoken, it was a seed inherent with the life of God. The Greek word for seed, which is the word, the Greek word for seed is spermos, from which we get our word sperm. When she responded, speaking of Mary, by receiving the word, she was instantaneously impregnated by the Holy Spirit. I'll explain that a little bit later. When he was born, it was described as the word became flesh. His ministry became a word ministry. Think about it. He is the word. He was the word. He always will be the word. Therefore, his ministry is going to be a word ministry. Why do I? He cast out demons with the word. He healed with the word. He delivered with the word. He spoke the word of God with authority. Everything he did, he did with the word. For his word was with power. One of the great mysteries of eternity, I think, is that eternity put on the garments of time and God housed himself in human flesh. I don't get that. Here's God who is eternal, cannot be constricted to a body. He all of a sudden decides to, be, to put himself in a fleshly body, Jesus. And he restricts himself forever in a body because he loves us and wants to save us. Wow. I, I just, that, that, every time I think about it, it blows me away. Andrew Murray said this, he became the speaking self of the Father. So the Word of God is a person. Secondly, the Word of God is a dynamic declaration. The Word of God is also what God says. When he speaks, it's always the power. Seven times the first chapter of Genesis, it says, and God said. The Word was God's chosen means by which everything created was brought into being. Now think about that. Everything was brought into being by a Word. Think about that. Everything in the universe has been created, has been impregnated by the womb of the word and brings life to everything. Now I'm going to describe and give you a science lesson here in a minute just to show this. So God and an infinite person of infinite power and existence in and outside time is created by means of his word and through words. He, we can see evidence of this, evidence of this in every living organism be a plant or animal. Every living cell has a DNA system. This DNA system is the biological life that is the word system of that biology being. Life exists only where the word system called DNA is present. DNA is the word system. The DNA directs, directs the building of living cells using non-living materials such as water, calcium, nitrogen, iron, carbon, hydrogen, etc. The DNA is purely and simply an information system. 
Meaning in such systems is a function of the sequence of the elements of communication. As the letters and words in a book and the nucleotides in the DNA chains, they are the same. I'm just excited about the power of the word of God. The word and that word alone is all that lives in the world in which we find ourselves. That word is the sole source of our biological life. You were here today because of God's word. You were birthed. I'm going to read that scripture in a minute. You were birthed by God's word. It, it, it is the DNA given to our ancestor, Adam. When God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, is the, it's the only component in our physical bodies which can command dead material like water to build themselves into living cells. You can go ahead and try it. It won't work. And it is the same language for all living creatures, both plant and animal, because it came from the spoken word of the same living God. All life comes from life. We do not observe life coming from dead things. This is called the law of biogenesis. So the sound of his word cannot be separated from the identity of his being. The voice and the person are inseparable. He existed before the voice sounded in Genesis. And when the voice sounded, he was the creative word. This dynamic declaration which is the word of God, has pervaded the stretches of the universe and holds it together to accomplish God's purpose. I need a, I need a cloth. I'm getting really fired up up here. Uh, are you catching this? I've, I've been teaching this to, to, our, uh, to my grandkids. You've got to understand that you are here today based upon the word of God, which was spoken. It's spoken. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but, but you have to understand that you are a being representing God, made in his image. Therefore, as he speaks, we also must speak because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And as he speaks, we must speak. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but you got to catch this. So we, we, have, we have to understand this, that everything God is saying is, is, is critical when we speak of the word holding the universe in place, we are speaking of a dynamic declaration still being sounded throughout the universe. The word is still echoing. If it wasn't, everything would be chaos. We wouldn't be here. We would implode. Now, thirdly, the word of God is a document. So it's a person. It's a dynamic declaration, but it's also a document. Throughout history, God has caused a part of what he has purposed to say to be written down in documents. We call it the Bible. It started with Moses' writings. When read in times of dreadful decadence, the moral life of the nations was changed by the power of the sounded word. We see this in the book of Nehemiah where Ezra read the word to the gathered people and the result was that their consciences were smitten and the whole crowd wept and revived. We see it in Josiah's day in 2 Kings 22. The law was brought out. They found it before the people and they read it again. And the result was that one of the greatest revivals in all of Israel. It was the sounded word of God. That's why we read the word of God. Something happens as we read it, as we declare it, as we prophesy, as we say it. Something happens. Now watch this. Fourthly, I don't need, I don't need any water. Just take the water because I won't have time to drink it, okay? <laughs> Thank you, Caleb. I appreciate that. It is the present tense. The word of God is a life source. This is the fourth thing. The word of God is a life source. It is the present tense living word in our world, which can be spoken, confessed, and released in power. 
Jesus modeled it when he spoke to diseases, when he spoke to demons, winds, and trees. It is the God in us word that has brought about our spiritual birth and abides in us for the living of the life of Christ. 1 Peter 1.23, my favorite, one of my favorite scriptures. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. This word of God is the means of our birth in the spirit and the power that resides in us as the person of Jesus. We are, we are being abided in, in a sense, by Jesus himself. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so this is what he's trying to say. It may be a quote from the written, written word, but it is alive by the Spirit, and is more than just reading or quoting a document. The Bible is a record of God's speaking voice. It's the present tense word of God is a, is a repeating of God's speaking voice. It is the believer saying what he hears. So the present tense word of God, which is alive in us, is vital and powerful on our lips and in our lives. In Mark eleven twenty two, 22, it says Jesus was in effect saying, what you have seen me do is within your capacities. Not name it and claim it, not grab it or blab it and grab it. But what God has said to us, we are then able to repeat and expect it to have his power. But we have to hear the word that God speaks to us in order to say it to have the power of God. We have no right to expect that we will get what we say unless what we say is the result of what he has said to us. So here's the way we ought to respond. Is this making sense? I know it's hot in here. Keep those fans a-going. Here's, what, here's how we need to respond. This was the response, this is the best response in the Bible to the word of God. Gabriel makes a visit to Mary to give her a word from God. This is Luke uh, 131. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. She'll call his name Jesus. He will be great, will be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. He goes on and says in Luke 134, 135, this is Gabriel, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, speaking to Mary, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And then in Luke 137, it says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Nothing will be impossible. Now here's the literal translation of that. It says this, no word or rhema, this is rhema. There's two words for word in the Bible, rhema and logos. This is rhema, which is quickened word. No rhema word from God is without dynamic or power. Every word from God has power. So Gabriel was saying this, Mary, I know you have never known a man, but Mary, if you understand the nature of God's word, you would know when God says a thing, inherent in what he says is the power to bring it to pass. So he is saying God's word is not without ability. He's saying the word rhema is used here. And it's the power, it is the ability to affect change or produce an effect. In Jewish thought, now stay with me here. In Jewish thought, when a person spoke a word, it was perceived to be a living thing. It's alive. Once out of the speaker's mouth, it became distinct from that person. It had a life source of its own though still representing the person who spoke it. As a living thing, that word would accomplish precisely what was said. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you say over yourself. 
It is a prophecy. You prophesy over yourself. You declare things over yourself. You need to say things like, I am a son or daughter of the Most High God. The, I, have, I have been uh, beautifully and wonderfully made. I have a purpose and a meaning in God. You need to say those things. Isaiah 55, 11, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it will accomplish what it was sent to do. So the word of God here is perceived as a living power with the ability to accomplish the total purpose of God. Psalm 11, 107.20, it says this. He sent his word and healed him. So you know what God's doing right now? He's sending his word everywhere. He's sending his word. He's sending his word. The problem is we don't spend a lot of time listening. Jews really believe that words are the protoplasm of the universe and that God made the world out of words with his spoken word. Oh, this is just getting to me. So when Gabriel spoke this word to Mary, he knew that it would take place because he had been there when God in the very beginning spoke light into existence, spoke order out of chaos, and spoke darkness to be unleashed. Gabriel was there. He said, if God says it, it will be done. So, so if that's the case, what, 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 what must we, we do to be like Mary? What must, must we do? Well, first of all, we need to consistently and constantly expose ourselves to scriptures. Soak yourself in the word. You got to understand the word. Secondly, you must hear the word of God. You got to hear it. Mary heard the word because she was there, because she was there to listen. Get in place to listen. Listen. In some ways, we don't have a hearing problem. We have a listening problem. There's not a lot of people that listen very well anymore. The Bible says only a fool answers the matter before he hears it. Thirdly, you must receive the word of God. Mary received the word by saying, I am the Lord's servants. She was saying, my purpose for being alive is to serve the Lord, so I make myself available right now, Lord. Do it. Faith does not need to understand or figure things out. When we hear a word from God, you, we do not need to have the luxury of comprehension. Wow, that was good, Pastor Ken. You don't need the luxury of comprehension. Our problem, I'm an educator. I got, I got my, my degree in education. Do you know that in America, we use the Greek Aristotelian method of education, which means you have to reason everything. Therefore, the church has, be, has tried to reason everything out when we need to faith everything out. Fourthly, you must confess the word. Now, this is important. You got to confess the word of God. Mary confessed the word of God that she had received. When Mary made the articulation spoken to her by Gabriel, by her vocal confession, that's when it happened. That's when the seed became instantaneously pregnant within her. The seed being the word of God. And what God has said and what God is saying is the bottom line issue of every situation. The Greek word for seed is spermos, but it can also be defined or, or translated as issue. So it was an issue. When did Mary become pregnant? At the exact moment that she confessed her faith and said, be it done to me according to your word. I think we need to be saying that all the time. 
be it done to me according to your word. Lord, I hear your word. Be it done to me according to your word. Be it done to me according to your word. Wherever you're at, you can be at school, you can be at home, you can be sleeping at times. God will wake you up, he'll give you a word, and you just say, be it done to me according to your word. Be it done, Lord. And instantly that seed becomes life. The word then becomes flesh in your life. Oh, that's powerful. So the word became flesh? But the word, when he speaks the word into you with the word, it becomes flesh, becomes alive. Oh, I don't know if you guys are catching this today. I'm giving it all I can get here. So the word of God came to us. We heard, received, and confessed, and we instantly had salvation. That's how you come to Jesus. We received the seed of the word. Then the last thing, you've got to obey the word. You, we must obey the word. Mary's faith required no confirmation, no tests, no doctor's diagnosis. She just started acting on it. She knew she was pregnant. Do you know what the first thing she did? She went to see Elizabeth, her cousin. She didn't go to the doctor. She didn't go to the pharmacy. What did she do? She went and talked to her, her cousin Elizabeth, and she, and she told her, I'm pregnant with the Son of God. Wow, what a declaration. That was her confession, and because of that, she is known as a woman of faith and a woman of God. So what is our role as I conclude this? You still with me? Our role is this. Just like Gabriel, God needs messengers to carry his word. He, God needs a voice. He uses our voice if we permit him to. We are called to preach, teach, prophesy, testify, exhort. That's all. Romans 10, 14 says, how then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. We have been tasked to be the voice of God. Everyone in this room is a full-time minister. My role is just to encourage you, inspire you, equip you. I do the same thing you do outside. But we all are full-time ministers. We're here to be the voice of God. You're here to declare the voice of God, to decree it, to declare it, to stand on it. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus gave an illustration of this to his disciples. Mark 11 tells the story of Jesus speaking to a fig tree and it withers. His disciples note that it did what Jesus said. Jesus then tells them, well, you can do the same thing. He says in Mark eleven twenty two, have faith in God, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. We must have bigger voices. This is why I keep telling you, you gotta open your mouths. You gotta declare things. You gotta speak and you gotta exhort it. Get, you know, get away from people if you have to and start practicing prophesying. Start practicing saying out loud the Word of God. Start practicing prayer out loud. That's how I started. I started with a man, and I just knelt beside him. I listened to him pray. And then I'd go off, and I'd pray on my own just real loud. I, began, I, I learned. I learned how to pray. So we have what we say. In the book of Acts, the disciples went throughout all the earth proclaiming the Word of God. We are God's voice to proclaim God's Word. Can you say amen? 2 Timothy 4.1, I charge you, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. And, Jesus, and then James tells us in the book of James, he says, but be careful, be careful of our tongues because it has the power of life and death. Yeah. 
Can I tell you? You as, you as kingdom citizens, as sons and daughters of the Most High God, there should be no murmuring, complaining, slandering, gossip, all the other things that come out of our mouth. We should be exhorting, declaring, preaching, teaching, testifying, encouraging. Come on. That's what we, sh we, we must be doing. We're to clean up our tongue. And I think we got to clean the church up. I think we've allowed too much to come into the church. And I'm telling you, can I just say this? I want to back, just back up a little bit. Everything that's happening in the world, don't be dismayed. God's got this thing under control. He's going to turn everything around for good. And what he's, I'm telling you right now, I, I don't, uh, I think I'm sort of a prophet. And I, I see things, I hear things. I mostly hear things. And then I'll, I'll, uh, but I believe in the next few weeks, months, you're going to see some, the, some of the most dramatic things you've ever seen in your life as God begins to speak down from heaven. I've already heard, I've already heard heavens beginning to say, I'm mobilizing my angel armies. I'm mobilizing my angel armies. I'm mobilizing my angel armies. Come on, we're the people of the most high God. We're kingdom citizens. Now, I close with this. I think we've got to clean up the church in several ways. Let me give you, this is a fable or a myth, so it's not true, but it illustrates my message. The story of an ancient myth was this. I, I've told this story many years ago. Hercules is a well-known figure in Greek mythology. His name has become an adjective describing something requiring great strength. And according to legend, he was assigned the impossible task of cleaning the ox stables of King Aegeus. This king had 3,000 oxen housed in the stables, and because they were especially blessed by the gods, the oxen seemed unaffected by the mounting filth around them. Thus, King Aegeus had little interest in cleaning the filthy stables. They had not been cleaned in 30 years. Hercules was assigned the task of cleaning the stables in one day. Having succeeded in other tasks, he was not one to give up easily. As the story goes, there were two rivers flowing near the stables and not to be outdone by dung. Hercules made two openings in the stables, front and back, joined the two rivers together and diverted their course by a channel through the stables and they were cleansed and cleaned in one day. What am I saying? Is it possible that the church is piled high today of the refuse of modern culture, unbiblical ideas, unbelief, and even atheistic thinking. We are not people of faith. We're not people of the word. I believe that sometimes the treasures of the past have become the trash of the present. The church needs a cleansing. We need a cleansing from the waste of yesterday. Things that did not work. Things that are just man's habits. But there are two mighty rivers that we must provide the channel for that can then move unabated through our lives and the church and to cause it to be cleansed and prepared for God. These two mighty rivers, what are they? The Spirit and the Word. The Spirit empowers the Word. The Spirit is the source and the Word is the course. If the church today could dig a channel through humility and prayer and connect these two rivers with the body, I think the result will be a powerful outpouring in the church. As we begin to say what God says, as we begin to receive what the Holy Spirit gives to us and pours out upon us, we're going to see the greatest revival of all time. I believe I'm going to be alive to see it. 
The Lord Jesus Christ, who is much more powerful than Hercules, is just waiting to accomplish this. Lord, my prayer is, bring these two rivers together in the church and let them flow. Let us be the voice of God. Let us cast off all those things that have restricted us and let us begin to move in to becoming the voice of God in this nation and in this world. God in us, the hope of glory. Are you with me? Can I pray for you? I want to commission you to do this right now, okay? Let, let me just bow your heads. I want to commission you, Father, in the name of Jesus. If you believe this, put your hand in your heart. In the name of Jesus right now, I pray that there would be an anointing and a commissioning in this house. There would be a newfound favor and a newfound authority that as we begin to move into the place of the king, as we begin to hear the voice of the king, as we begin to operate in the spirit, Lord, we're gonna hear the voice of God and we're gonna say it and it will be done. Let miracles begin now in Jesus' name. Lord, we, are, we now receive our commission. We now receive our commission to be the voice of God in this nation, our neighborhood, even in those around us. We decree and declare right now, let God begin to move. Let there be a newfound authority in Jesus Christ. Let us understand the power of the word of God. Let us get into your word, begin to declare it and decree it. And Lord, let the rhema come to our hearts and let every evil spirit flee before the powerful word of the living God. Lord, I, I commission all these, your servants, in Jesus' name, amen. Just with your heads bowed, eyes closed, I wanna know, is there anybody here today? I felt maybe there are five of you that have not received Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. You can't really be operating in the spirit if you've not received him. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.